Hello, hello, and welcome to the Holistic Fitness Podcast, where you'll learn how to get your goals without burning out. I'm your host, Lori, and this show isn't just about movement and nutrition. You probably already know that exercise and nutrition is important for your mental and physical health and well-being. It's also about stress management, mindset, shedding those limiting beliefs, and working through some of that childhood trauma while you're at it. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Kelly Kessler, who is a licensed physical therapist, wellness coach, and host of the Rewiring Health podcast. She's also the owner of Optimal You Health and Wellness. Kelly helps highly sensitive, people-pleasing, perfectionist women in pain self-heal through nervous system regulation. Inspired by her own journey of recovering from an eating disorder and chronic back pain, Kelly has helped many women harness their profound ability to shift from survival mode to thriving. Kelly uses an integrative approach to healing, including a personalized audit education, community support, and actionable steps to create long-lasting results. I can't wait for all of you to listen to this episode where Kelly and I discuss chronic pain, eating disorders, perfectionism, and nervous system regulation. How are you going today, Kelly? Doing very well. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to have you on. I was doing a little bit of an Instagram stalk and I've already learned so much from you just from scrolling through your socials. So psyched to pick your brain today. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for this conversation. So looking forward to diving right in here. Yay. Awesome. I'm going to start this podcast the same way that I start every podcast. You have a very specific audience, like perfectionistic women, um, you know, high achieving women, which I identify myself with. <laughs> so I do also feel, though, when you go down a specific path, you're sharing wisdom with a specific audience, whether it's diet, fitness, you know, nutrition, nervous system regulation, there's always some sort of backstory. So what context would I need to know about your life to know why you help people in the way you do today? Yeah, yeah. So I basically help people uh, who are how I used to be. So um, and, I, you know, it's always an ongoing process. Like when you're a perfectionist, high achiever, it's not like you flip a switch and it's done. It's it's always an evolving process. But where it all started is that I had an eating disorder in my late teens, early 20s. Um, pretty impacted me very significantly. And um, it essentially evolved from me just being an athlete and always striving to be the best athlete I could be. So I went off to college and I'm like, I'm going to be a starter on the on the college team. And I went out, worked my butt off and I was a starter on the college team. And then I just kept going harder and harder. It's like every time I hit an achievement, it just never felt like a hit in Mm -hmm. where I wanted it to feel. So I just kept doing more and more and more. Um, end up transferring, going to another college. And then I get to that college and it's like, I'm kind of the odd man out because the team had already formed in the time that I had transferred. So now I'm like, all right, I'm just going to work harder and harder and just, you know, infiltrate this team and and get my starting position back. And um, it really kind of like hit a perfect storm because I felt very excluded. I, I I really didn't feel like I had grounding in where I needed to be. And so I just took to exercise as like a coping mechanism for kind of self-soothing myself during that time. And so I would wake up, you know, eat breakfast, go to the gym, lunch, go to the gym, dinner, go to the gym. I would be out running while everyone is off to the bars and coming home at 3 a.m. I was out running campus and I did that day in and day out. And I just held myself to the standard of like, nothing was good enough. You know, it's like, no matter how much I did, I needed to do more and more and more. And it just kind of spiraled out of control to a point where I couldn't compensate for what I was eating by exercising alone. I started vomiting. And that was when I realized I had more going on there. And um, so 
was in a really dark place, um, I'm kind of shortening this, but in a really dark place, um, going through the eating disorder, eventually recovered. But then I found myself in a place of having chronic back pain. And, um, you know, to a point where I had to get out of the car on my commute to work, I had, I was using like a stick to stand up straight, couldn't tie, tie my shoes, I was struggling. And I had that for several years, went to several practitioners, and they're like, well, your disc high is about half of what it should be for someone who's 25. I was 25 at that time. And really just felt no hope. I'm like, okay, well, I'm 25. Like, what does the rest of my life look like if I'm experiencing this? Um, Again, fast forwarding, went off to PT school, became a physical therapist. And I'm like, okay, great. Now I can help myself get through this back pain. And then again, went through the whole regimen, strengthening, stretching, manipulations, you name it. I put myself through everything that I thought would match what I was presenting with. Still, I would ebb and flow pain, but never actually went anywhere. And then one day I ended up watching this documentary called Heal, and it talks about the mind-body connection. And it was like a light bulb went off. I'm like, oh my gosh, I never addressed what I was still dealing with. I was still doing perfectionist uh behaviors. I still was a high achiever. I still feel that felt like everything I did in life was never good enough. I was still applying my worth to my accomplishments. Mm. I mean, everything was like still there, even though I wasn't engaging in eating disorder behaviors. So I'm like, holy, like, and I'm like, this is what's going on because that was just causing this whole stress response in me. And so I started just working through that. And I recognized how dysregulated my nervous system was because of that. And um, really just dove in using the same determination that kept me through the eating disorder. I used that same determination to learn everything I could, dove headfirst, and eventually started opening the door to relief. And I'm here today. I have no back pain. I've had two children. I've done triathlons. I play field hockey again. I mean, I'm doing everything I want to. Without the pain, I feel like I I don't feel like I'm in a burnout place. I don't feel overwhelmed all the time. I mean, it's, it's night and day from who I was then to where I am today. I don't even, I talk about that. I'm like, it almost like, it feels like I'm talking like to about a stranger because I've evolved so much from who that was. So now I'm, that's why I'm just so uh, passionate about helping people who feel that way, feel like their worth is attached to the accomplishments. They feel like they're never good enough. And they're just constantly pushing themselves harder and harder without ever feeling like they're full. Wow. I love the way you help people today, but what a story to get there. Mm-hmm. Jeez. That's like eating disorder, chronic pain at 25, navigating through all of that. And But I do also love, and especially how you said you use that same de- determination that kind of built some detrimental habits and I guess things that manifested in the body to actually help heal you at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a problem solver. So just like I was trying to figure out how I could help myself, I, everything I did, I, I took action on and it was a game changer. Yes. I love that. There was something that you said specifically, you applied worth to your achievements. Mm-hmm. Where do you think applying worth to your achievements comes from? Um, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of soul searching through this because yeah. I, I had a good childhood, but I felt like it was very much like there was a subconscious expectation of like, you're going to go to college. This is what you do, mm-hmm. you know, like, 
and you know very much like black and white like this is how you do it and this is how you don't do it and there's like no gray and and so i am i've always been someone who never wants to dis- disappoint anyone so yes. i felt like i never wanted to disappoint my parents never wanted to disappoint myself even like so i was always like okay i'm just going to keep going and this is just is the path you take so and that's just what it was. You know, I was in honors all throughout high school, got A's. If I got a B, I would be berate myself. Like, how could you get that B? You know, I go off, get my bachelor's, come out. And I'm like, okay, I still don't feel like I'm fulfilled. Went back, got my master's, still didn't feel fulfilled. Went back and got my doctorate, still didn't feel fulfilled. And I'm like, it's just no matter what I did, I was just felt a void in my life. And I'm like, I'm accomplishing all these things that I set out to do. I do it. And then I still feel like I'm empty. And so I think it just was like this mentality of feeling like you just have to keep going down this path. Like this is the set path you keep going. And I kept hoping that I would feel a certain way and it just never hit. So I'm like, okay, I got to do the next thing. Yeah. Isn't that crazy how you like follow that path to an absolute T? Mm -hmm. You follow that path to an absolute T of what society says that you will be happy if you do. And and we get that messaging, even though like our family loves us and mm-hmm. wants the best for us. And I'm not saying that you getting your doctorate, doctorate would be a mistake by any means, because I'm sure you learn a lot that you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy how we get fed these messages that achievements will give you fulfillment. Mm-hmm. 100%. And yeah, and it it just doesn't. And And that's what I've come to realize now. But at the time I was just like more, I, every time I did something that I said I was going to do and I came out and I just felt that emptiness, I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, that's what I asked. What is wrong with me that like, here I am. Like I, if you look at me on paper, it seems like I have everything together, but there's just this emptiness and I couldn't figure out why, why did I feel empty? Even though everything, you know, if someone was on the outside looking at my life, they'd be like, oh, she's gotta be happy. She's got a lot of things going for her. I I just was not happy. I love that you have the courage to ask why though, because Mm -hmm. a lot of people accept mediocrity or accept, um, you know, go through that whole process and accept that that's how they're meant to feel rather than continuing to ask questions. So I guess that leads me to my next question. What for you is fulfillment? Like what's helped you kind of fill that hole? Yeah. Yeah. So it was just a lot of soul searching and recognizing, you know, I really just had to dive deep. I recognize I had negative beliefs pouring through my head. Like I, I would ruminate on the most little minute details in my life. And, and I could literally have 99% of my life go well, but the 1% that wasn't going well, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah. So I, it really was just transforming my mind. And I didn't realize how warped my mind was at that time until I started diving into it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's not true. Like I've been living by that for my whole life thinking that like, that's how it is. Or, you know, I, I just was very stubborn. I'm like set in my ways. I'm like, well, this is how I think. And that's how I'm going to think. And this is how, you know, I I'm right. And that's it. And I didn't, I wasn't humble enough at the time to realize that like, I, this is not serving me. And that's what I've come to realize now. It's like, there is so much abundance in the world. I was living in a a world of scarcity Mm. and there's so much good in the world. I was living in a world feeling like everyone was against me. There's the world I felt like was working against me in so many ways. Like, oh, of course this would happen. Here's another thing that, that just doesn't work out. But I didn't realize that there are so many lessons that we can learn from the things that don't work out. So Mm. I've had a whole perspective shift where I feel like I'm not 
in this like almost victim mentality in which I kind of felt like I was, I felt like everything was working against me. And now I feel just that empowered soul of like, okay, how can I evolve? And I, I've seen that growth in myself. I've seen that, that transition where I, I saw how I used to think and how I think now. And I'm like, Hey, I, I feel good. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm not obviously where I want to be because where we never are, but where I've evolved to, it's just like, I see more beauty in the world. It's almost like I put a new lens in front of my eyes and the world is different, even if the circumstances are very much the same. Mm, I love that you mentioned that as well. And that dichotomy between like abundance versus scarcity. And I truly believe that life gets better for you when you take total accountability for your circumstances. And I think I did a post recently on this, like on TikTok, you might be dating and keep on dating cheater after cheater after cheater, or maybe you had something like terribly traumatic in your life. That isn't your fault. Like it's not your fault that someone cheated on you. It's not your fault that you had traumatic circumstances in your upbringing, but I think a lot of us get stuck in being a victim of that rather than like focusing on like, let's use the cheating, for example, like, okay, if I've dated three cheaters, what is the commonality here? Like, what am I in control of? How am I attracting these people into my life? And I think once you make that perspective shift from like, I'm a victim in this to I am taking total accountability for my life. And even though, yes, horrible stuff has been done to me, I'm going to choose to focus on what I can control that's when life like really gets amazing hundred mm-hmm. percent and and a big thing with that i agree i totally agree with what you're saying a big thing with that too that with that transition is just recognizing energy levels and this was a big eye-opener for me i'm like holy i was in the bottom part of that scale the whole time I, my energy was low so what's gonna happen you're gonna attract everything in life that is that lower energy so when I started, like that was eye-opening. I'm a big person. It's like, I need to understand the why behind things. I'm a very like sciencey mind mentality. So if I know why something is, now I can kind of remove myself enough to not be so emotionally invested and understand mm. that like, oh, the, I, there's not something wrong with me. I'm just living by the wrong, like I'm living by the rules, but I'm down here. And, yes. and I need to elevate myself to have a different reality outside of myself. And and it starts from me elevating within so that the external world can elevate with me. Yes. I love that. And I also love how you mentioned, like, you can be so in it and so emotionally in that experience that it's difficult to step out of it and observe. And I think all of us have had a friend that has a really shitty boyfriend. They complain about them and we all know, girl, break up with him. (laughs) But when you're in that situation, You might even know it, but you can't really see it. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with our own lives. We need to be the person that needs to step out and look at it from a different angle and observe things so that we can move ourselves through those states. Absolutely. Yeah, it's all about perspective. And if we can look outside and realize that whatever's going on right now is such a small fraction of our lives. But if we can step out and be like, okay, you know, what would I tell somebody in this position if it wasn't actually me experiencing it? And that that just gives us that removal and that pause for a minute to be like, what, how can I look at this differently to not just be in this like role where, oh, what's happening to me again? Yes. You know what? My podcast guest last night asked me my final question that I ask all of the guests Mm -hmm. and I just like gave myself the best life advice. And I'm like, why am I asking everyone else this question? Like, (laughs) why don't, why don't I step back and ask myself this question every now and again, because it was such good perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's so true. And it's like, sometimes you get talking, you're like, oh my gosh, that, that, that does help (laughs) me too. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) 
Definitely. I'm curious about these energy levels that you mentioned. So can you describe a little bit about like the lower energy and the higher energy and how you might like two questions, like why it's important to move through them and like how you might do so? Yeah. So it's basically a spectrum. And so the, some of the energy levels that are lower, like um, shame, guilt, um, mm. blaming ourselves, you know, just sitting in those that, like negative thoughts. So again, when I look back on how, where I was, I was in that shame and guilt. I mean, everything, I, I literally would say, I feel bad. I feel bad. Like literally that was everything, like for everything I felt bad for. And um, so that's where I lived, but the higher end of the spectrum is like gratitude, joy, enlightenment. Um, those are the the feelings that we want to feel more. And so you can think about it as like, you know, if you're playing a piano across the room and somebody else is also playing a piano across the room and you play the same note, it kind of resonates and, mm. and it blends. So if you are at the vibrating at a certain level and you're really low, then your, your world is kind of vibrating at that level too. And you're going to start seeing things and attracting things at that level. But if you can raise your elevation at your vibration to a higher level, now you're going to have things happening for you in your life and you're going to attract different people and you're going to attract different circumstances. So mm. we can move through those levels. And, and even if we're experiencing something really awful in our life, allowing ourselves to have compassion in that moment, rather than being like, what's wrong with me? Why am I so upset all the time? Like giving yourself compassion is the ability to elevate yourself in those levels. So it's not saying that like life is great and everything is butterflies and, and candy. It's not like that. It's just that you're, you're comforting yourself, soothing yourself, giving yourself compassion rather than berating yourself, rather than coming down on yourself or mm -hmm. every little thing that didn't go exactly how you planned it. So Again, it's just working on elevating those levels and it takes consistency. It takes uh, conscious action every day of being aware of that and really using our minds to to elevate ourselves and, and seeing everything in a different light. Mm, I love that. It's it's crazy once you learn about these frequencies as well. Like I think when you first hear of it and a lot of people listening, especially if they are more left brained, like, mm -hmm. I mean, you got your doctorate, so you're definitely left brained as well, mm -hmm. but it can be hard to think like, how can just being a little bit more gratitude, gra grateful and compassionate actually change things? But I actually have a personal story about this. I learned this. When I was in 2015, I went to a retreat and I learned this. I was feeling really down on myself. I was low energy, burnt out. And um, after I learned about this, I'm like, okay, seems like bullshit, but I'm just going to give it a try. <laughs> so I gave it a try and was doing all these gratitude practices, learning about frequency and stuff like that. And within a month, um, the boyfriend that I was with that I thought was great divulged something to me that was actually relationship breaking. Mm. And then I lost 30 pounds after breaking up with him. So it was really weird that just by me changing my energy, what couldn't be in that energy, like couldn't exist. Mm. And yes, like it was their choice to share that information with me, but it, it's just, it didn't seem coincidental. I don't know. Do you have any personal stories like that where, where like things just have shifted from you being more grateful or moving into those different frequencies? Are you tired of constantly feeling burnt out while trying to achieve your goals? Do you find yourself struggling to maintain motivation and productivity over long periods of time? I'd like to introduce you to the Goal Getting Journal, the ultimate solution for those of you who want to surpass their goals without burning out. 
Our journal is designed to help you set achievable goals, track your progress, and maintain a healthy work-life balance. With our journal, you'll discover practical strategies for managing stress, staying motivated, and avoiding burnout, including time blocking, habit stacking, and so much more. You'll also learn how to prioritize your tasks and maximize your productivity so you can get more done in less time. The Goal Getting Journal is perfect for anyone who wants to achieve their goals without sacrificing their mental health and well-being. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a student, or just someone who wants to make any positive change in your life, the Goal Getting Journal can help you stay on track and avoid burnout. And for Holistic Fitness Podcast listeners, you can get 20% off your first journal using the code HF podcast. Go to goalgettingjournal.com and type HF podcast at checkout to get your discount. So what are you waiting for? Order the Goal Getting Journal today and start getting your goals without burning out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have, so, I have so many. And I was right where you were. I was like, this is, seems kind of like woo woo. I'm like, yeah. I'm, not really, I'm like, I'm a sciencey person. This is kind of like a little too much for me to handle. I'm like, there were years I was like, okay, I'm going to do gratitude journaling. And I do two or three. I'm like, I don't see any difference. This is kind yes. of like, where are the results? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to stop. And then I would stop. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to meditate. Mm, I don't know. It doesn't really hit with me. And literally there are so many moments I would like stop and start, stop and start. Cause I'm like, it didn't resonate with me. And yeah. then it was like, it, it literally, I don't know if it's like, I, I just kept with it long enough that now I'm like, Oh, it does work. I just didn't stick with it long enough to see the change. And that's it's where the slow I, burn. <laughs> it is. And that's why I didn't, I was like that instant gratification that we all want, but it's like, it literally, I had to rewire my brain and that's not an overnight process. And so mm. I can give you a story. Uh, several years ago, I was in this negative, bad, bad place, like everything. I was like, what else is going to go wrong? I would, I would be on the phone with my one friend, like for an hour on my way to work being like, this happened, this happened, this happened, just complaining, like talking about everything that was wrong, like making a joke of it, you know, I'm like, yeah, of course this would happen. Huh? You know, look at my life. And that was my focus. And literally like, we would just have these conversations. And at that time I was building our, we were building our house and it's like, what could go wrong went wrong. Like everything went wrong. And it's like, like we dug our septic or our excavator dug our septic. And then the next day there was a torrential downpour. We had like an Olympic sized swimming pool in our front yard. full oh, of no. And so if anyone knows about septics, you can't have that. So we had to dig a, a few feet deeper and that cost us another five grand just for oh. our septic on top of what it already was. And it was like, that happened. And then our basement flooded and like while we're building the house. So there was mud pouring in all the windows in the basement. And then it was like, um, our, our, we finally were working on that. And then our, um, washer machine flooded the top ceiling and we had, I had to respackle everything. It was like literally a perfect storm. And then I mean, just, there's just so many things I could go on for days. There's so many bad things that happen in this oh. time. And at the time I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, why, why does all this stuff happen to me? Like it just happens, you know? Yeah. And so from that time where I was in this negative place and it was like, it was feeding off each other. Cause again, it goes hand in hand to where I am today. I'm like in a much better place. I recognize, you know, there's so much to be grateful for and just, there's so many things that it just like kind of worked out. Like it's just mm. been really like things have just been smoother for me. Like um had had my second child and everything just kind of like 
went well. And it was like much smoother. And I had had my first child at that, that first time when I was in the bad place. And it was like right. was things that just like were not working out. And then this time it was like, oh, that just, that worked out well. Right. That very smooth. And then it was like, you know, the other day, I mean, this might seem crazy, but like I was at a baby shower and I'm like, no, I'm just going to come in here with good intention, good energy. Like I'm going to be the thermostat and change this atmosphere and just come in with a good energy. And I end up like winning the raffle, you know? And then I said to my friend, I'm like, you know, I'm going to send you good energy too. And then she won right after that. And I'm like, this is crazy, you know, but Again, it might seem crazy if you're not like in this place, but I can just see so many little things in my life that have just like, have just kind of worked out well and it seems smoother and doesn't, I'm not hitting that resistance like I was mm. back then. Like right now, and now it just seems like, okay, I have, there's like a flow to my life. That was exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that. And and you can change your beliefs about life as well. You can like, so for example, one of my beliefs is I believe I get a bunch of free stuff. I get a bunch of free stuff. Like <laughs> the other day I was at the coffee store and they like made an extra iced coffee. Like, oh, do you want it? Like I just get that's free awesome. stuff all the time. Yeah. So, or just awesome. like always being at the end of, you know, when you're getting a beer yeah. and like the keg finishes, yeah. but they give you the free, the free one. And then they've got to give you another one. And mm-hmm. it's always when it's like three quarters full and the keg always ends that's on me. So it's like, funny. yes, free beer. That's but awesome. it's crazy. Like when you change your beliefs yeah. that that um this happens when you were this is very like random um when you were talking about your first and second child I'm really curious are you the oldest child I'm the youngest you're the youngest I'm the youngest child yeah you have oldest child energy oh do I (laughs) yeah my brother and I are I have an older brother we're polar opposite completely polar opposite (laughs) I hear that sometimes I hear that sometimes like with the older brother and and actually this is someone that I work with very closely she's mm-hmm. the youngest and she has an old brother and she's like very perfectionistic type a which surprised yeah. me because I always put like the oldest child in the box of perfectionistic yeah. and stuff yeah. like that because they kind of go through that kind of hard stuff uh-huh. and like when you were sharing that story of like your firstborn having like all of that kind of like hard stuff yeah. while maybe you're pregnant with them I'm not sure mm-hmm. and then yeah. they're like younger born um everything flowing a bit easier but mm-hmm. that's just a random segue I was curious about yeah that's right well my brother is very much like yeah it's all it's okay everything will work out very type b so I I think we just switched yeah <laughs> you just the type the a. dynamic yeah. yes <laughs> my brother and I have the typical like oldest sibling younger sibling but I'm the oldest and oh, uh, yeah I asked my mom, oh, what did I like to do before seven? Because that's like one of the things that you do with coaching is figure out like what you like to do before your subconscious. And she's like, well, acting, you've always wanted to be an actress. You've always been on stage teaching and bossing around your little brother. That's so funny. <laughs> Leadership <laughs> skills, I call it. Okay, that's right. You were learning them early. <laughs> yeah. I would love to dive into this eating disorder because a lot of people who listen to this podcast have had an eating disorder in some sort of way, whether it's yo-yo dieting or whether it's more so binge eating. So I'm really curious, like in your opinion, where did your eating disorder, you alluded to it a little bit, but I'd love you to dive deeper. Where do you think it stemmed from? Yeah, that was another thing because I've been asked that before and I was like, you know, I really had to do some soul searching because again, like 
growing up, you know, I, I did have a good childhood, but the more I kind of dove into it, I'm like, okay, there were like little things, like very like subconscious messages I was getting growing up. And at the time, you know, throughout my childhood, like my mom, that was a time where like step aerobics were big and these like fad diets were, I mean, they're still kind of big, but they're really big at that time. And my mom was like, she would do every fad diet and she was very like, you know, she would always critique herself and it'd be in front of me. And I would hear that. And I, I think just these subconscious messages, like, you know, got into my head where it's like, you know, she doesn't like how she looks, you know, do I need, you know, maybe that's how I should feel. And like, she wouldn't take pictures because of that. And, you know, that's of getting into me. And, and I remember even like, you know, there's like little things. I remember my brother, again, the older brother is, you know, at the time you just tease each other, but I remember, a few times he had called me a fat pig when I was a, a child and it Classic brother. Me. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's a brother sister thing. It happens, but it's it so me. not cool. Yeah, <laughs> but right. it is a classic brother thing. It really is. Yeah. And it's like, I think the combination of that, like, you know, I'm feeling this way, but then he's calling me that I'm like, well, maybe I am, you know? And it's like, you're, it just like felt very vulnerable. And I, re- I remember looking at my like childhood desk and I found this like note I wrote myself when I was 10, just saying, you're so fat. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I was 10 years old and I'm like writing that about myself. And I think it just kind of snowballed. It, it just grew more and more where I had this like disdain for how I looked. You know, I felt like I had to be a certain body type and like I was never going to be that body type. No matter how hard I worked, I, I'm more of like a muscular athletic body type. That's who I am. But like in yeah. my head. I had to be that like thinner, slender person. And like, I realized now that was never going to be what I was going to be, but that was what I was striving for. Mm. And so <clears throat> I thought that like, once I got to that point where I was thin and, you know, I, I thought then I would feel like, okay, everything feels okay. I'll be happy. I'll, I'll attract the right people. And, you know, like, it's just, again, it's one of those things that was never going to happen. And I just thought it was. And like, I look back at pictures, I'm like, oh my gosh, you were thin. You know, it's like at the time I, all I see is like the insecurity, like of how I felt that time. Like I wouldn't even like stand up straight because I didn't want my belly showing at the time. Cause I thought it was so heavy. And it's like, I wow. look at that poor girl, you know, mm. and, but there's just straight, like I just straight insecurity. When I look back at those pictures, just like she was so sad, even though she's wearing a smile on her face. And yeah, yeah, it's a lot like that quote I've heard before. Like, it's kind of a joke. It's like, I wish I was as fat as when I thought I was fat. Mm-hmm. A yeah. lot of women are like that. It's like they mm-hmm. see themselves, they see themselves as so slim. Yeah. But now, but like back then, they thought they were really, really fat. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's yeah. It's amazing how our perceptions, it's like, you know, it's not about what you look like it's about your perception of yourself and it's like I could have been 50 pounds less than and I I probably still would have had that same perception it's like it just was never going to be good enough and that that was it yeah well uh, there's a there's a lot of um like body dysmorphia in the bodybuilding industry you can be the fittest of the fit and still not think you're good enough so you know what you've done and really done the inner work is is key because you could have you you may not have, but you might have gotten to what you thought was your ideal body, but you probably even then that wouldn't have been enough. It would have been like getting the doctorate. It's like, exactly. all right, I'm at the top now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, because if you're empty inside, it's like no matter how much you change your external environment, your external appearance, it's not going to fill your heart. And, and that's yeah. what I realize. For sure. Um, I think you do raise a really important point, though, that I'd like to highlight about body types yeah so 
genetics is a really important part of eating and fitness. I think a lot of people will see and compare a photo, especially I don't, I, I don't know exactly your age, but definitely even when I was, you know, when I was in high school too, the skinny phase was really popular. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if the skinny thing was a a thing back then, but I have hips and I have a butt and I have thighs. Mm -hmm. That's very sexy and desirable now. (laughs) But also I'm not going to sell a 60 day booty program and tell someone that they're going to get the same booty as me because they're they're not like some people will need to eat like a bodybuilder and train like crazy and be comfortable with having a little bit more fat before they move into a cut to have a booty like that. And, and it may be years of dedication. Like we all have different bodies. The best we can do is move often and eat well most of the time. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I, it was that time, like when I was younger, that like the skinny face was in and I, and that's what I was shooting for because I'm desirable and the thigh gap <laughs> yeah and, and and I feel like it really has evolved that it is better and more acceptable now to naturally have curves I mean women naturally hold a lot more body fat than than and, the yeah. skinny image that we had back then and <clears throat> again as we can just accept ourselves and realize that we don't have to push harder and harder and harder to get to a healthy place and I think a big thing back then for me was I was exercising back then almost to like punish myself, but now I exercise in celebration of myself. Like this is my body. Like I've done amazing things. I've grown two kids, like gave birth to two kids. Like I've overcome the eating disorder. I've overcome back pain. I'm like, I need to celebrate my body and just love it. And like, it took a lot of evolution, but I literally had to relearn a healthy relationship with exercise because I didn't have that back then. So now I can exercise and not feel like, well, I didn't run 14 miles. It's not good enough. And so, yeah, it's, it's so important just to be aware of your body and recognize like, what's the best version of yourself? Like we can't Mm. compare ourselves to other people because really the zaps of energy, if you want to talk zapping your energy, especially when we're talking about energy levels, compare yourself to other people, complain and criticize yourself. The three C's of destroying your energy, that's what it is. And so we have to recognize like, what is the best version of myself? And that's it. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. I love that. Complain, compare, criticize the three C's to just completely zap your energy. Mm -hmm. that's crazy can you dive a little bit more into relearning a good relationship with exercise Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so I can kind of talk about what I did and um you know again it may be different for everybody but for me again exercise was my coping mechanism it was everything I mean there was a time back then like I had food poisoning awful food poisoning and I was doing 500 crunches every single day for two and a half years did not mess one day and like I look back then I'm like not the smartest thing to do but it was like (laughs) that's what I did so I mean I was like had food poisoning I was like throwing up in the in the toilet and then I would come do more crunches back and crunches I mean there was no reason for me not to exercise like it was going to happen and so for me for some people exercise is like okay how do I increase it so I can be more fit for me it was like how do I decrease it so that Mm. it's not consumed me. So I had to like, literally like back off, like I'm going to do one minute less a day. And that's it. Like I had to do this tiniest things because for me, I was like, I felt like a failure if I didn't do it to the level that I was used to doing it. Um, Mm. And then, you know, over a course of years, I actually got to a point where I did not exercise because I almost had to like, just stop. And again, it was like weaning it down. It took a long process. And then, then I, I had to kind of learn, okay, what does that look like now that I don't have to go out and run for three hours? Like, is a half hour good enough? And, 
And that's what I've come to this point now where it's like moderation and whereas I'm not in this excessive mode. But again, there was a lot of that healing from within that I wasn't filling the void because the void wasn't there anymore. So I was filling the void with exercise. I helped myself gain this like love for myself. And I no longer felt like I had to use exercise to fill that because it it wasn't a void. So mm. that's really where I've evolved because again, I had a very unhealthy relationship with exercise. And now I I regularly exercise, I lift, I run, I play with my, I, I'm, I'm like regularly exercise and I love it. And I can do a half hour and be okay. I'm okay with that. And so it is possible to possible to recover from an exercise addiction, but it does take a process and a lot of like self-compassion to do it. Wow. Massive congratulations, because I can't imagine how difficult those breaking those thought patterns would have been going from a three hour run to a two hour run and convincing yourself that you're not a piece of poo, (laughs) you know? Like yeah. that would have been a journey in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And it's, I'm not like minimizing it. I'm saying it quickly here, but it, it was years of doing that. So, and there was a, it was a roller coaster. I mean, there was a lot of like setbacks and it was, was not a linear journey by any, by any means. So if anyone listening is going through that, it, it is a process, but it is possible. So mm. that's the beauty of it. Tell me more about the women you help today. So mm-hmm you know, now that you're out the other end of it, who do you help? And like, what do you help them with? Yeah, so I help high achieving people pleasing perfectionists, achieve relief from pain and stop feeling burnout and overwhelmed. Mm. And so I help them through again, relearning patterns. So like recognizing like, what are the things that are contributing to this constant stress that you're feeling? And a lot of times we have like so many, you know, especially when we're perfectionist, high achiever, it is that void, that void that I felt for years of like, you're not good enough. You need to do more. You need to push yourself harder. And meanwhile, you're trying to juggle all these things in your life. Like you may have kids, a job, you're trying to be fit. You're trying to do all these things and be the best at everything. And at some point you start draining yourself so much because you're not actually filling your cup. You're constantly just giving everybody your energy and time. And that also causes a lot of stress and a lot of inner turmoil. And then that stress causes the nervous system to become very dysregulated. And it's like this perfect snowball effect. And so what happens when we are stressed and we're a high achiever, we go do more work. We go go do laundry that's staring at our face because we can't sit on the couch looking at that laundry right there. We can't Mm. can't sit on the couch with a full sink of dishes. We can't sit on the couch when the, the grass isn't mowed. So it's like, we just fill our void and our, our coping mechanism is to check more things off the list wow, or yeah. to go exercise, which when we're already stressed and we're exercising hard, that's perpetuating the stress response. So what I do is I teach women how to break that cycle and actually do things that serve them and bring their nervous nervous system back to that homeostasis or that level of like a regulation where mm. it is flexible because when it's not flexible and we're always in this heightened response, that's when we start experiencing increased tension, increased pain, headaches. We can experience reproductive issues, decreased libido, digestive issues. You name it, everything that the nervous system is running, which is like your operating system of your body, will become dysregulated Dysregulated, and you'll start seeing a lot more symptoms happen. And wow. you're pattern of symptoms and then symptom management with more stress. It's, it's just a vicious cycle. 
That is so awesome, the way that you're helping people and so bloody relatable. Like when you mentioned like the, I have a dish full of, a dish full of dishes, a sink <laughs> full of dishes right now. And I looked at it before coming here and it mm-hmm. pissed me off. Yes. I was like, yes. I, I'll finish recording at 8.30 PM. And I'm like, I am doing those yep. dishes. Exactly. I, I am curious though, because like my mental health is a lot better in a clean mm-hmm. space. Is yeah. it, does it, is burnout like the amount of things you're doing or is it, is it something else? Like what contributes to somebody being burnt out? Because some people seem to have more capacity than others. And I'm wondering, and seem to do it with ease. So kind of like what contributes to it? Yeah. So burnout is again, part of that, like sympathetic response. So we have with our nervous system, there's a sympathetic response, which is, I'll just shorten it like a stress response. And then we have a parasympathetic response, which is like that peace, like, oh, everything feels good. You're relaxed. Like that's where we want to be. But Mm -hmm. again, for high achievers, we're usually not in that state. We're usually in them where that stress response. And so when we activate that sympathetic nervous system, we have the fight, flight, or freeze response. And a lot of times when we're burnt out is that we've activated that system so much and we, we overwhelm ourselves, we overextend ourselves, we do more and more and more and think that we can because we don't think we're human, we think we are superheroes and we can just take on everything. And when we constantly are running that system in hyperdrive, things drain because it takes a lot of energy to maintain that level of achievement, that level of showing up for everything and never saying no. And so the burnout comes from that system being on so much that we get into this like stuck on position. And when we've kind of hit our limit, we crash. And then we crash where we feel like we're almost like paralyzed. Like I'm so exhausted. I can't even do anything. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm shot. I'm drained. I'm, I'm, and that's where that burnout cycle is. And so you get burnout and then you kind of, it's like the shut off for a little bit. You feel like you can't even do anything that you're used to doing. And then your system kind of musters up a little bit. And then what happens instead of getting in that nice peaceful state, we go right back up to that sympathetic response. We're like, okay, I'm a little bit better. I'll do all the things again. I'll show up for everybody. I won't say no to anybody. I'll do everything hundred percent. And it's that cycle again. And so when you look at people who experience burnout, the reason why some people burn out quicker and some people don't burn out is the level of their flexibility of their nervous system. So right. if you have things in place where you can bring yourself back to that parasympathetic state and you're not just kind of stuck in that stress response, you're going to have a bigger buffer for taking more things on. So you're not going to burn out as much. But if you're someone who uses just more stress to cope with that, so like that person that does just the dishes because they're stressed or the person that's like checks off three more things off their list because it makes them feel good temporarily. But in the long run, you're only doing yourself a disservice. You're keeping yourself high in that stress response. And then eventually you're going to hit that crash quicker. Hey, Holistic Fitness fam, a quick message from one of our sponsors, Ned. As you all know, I recommend good nutrition, movement and stress management practices before supplementing. So you know what type of supplementation that your body actually needs. For me, I supplement with very few products, but Ned is one of them. I'm a type A, high energy, ambitious business girly with massive goals. And sometimes I honestly just need to chill out and relax a bit. 
I've found that both Ned's de-stress and sleep blends fit in with my busy lifestyle and ambitious goals, but I was honestly not a big fan of CBD products before trying Ned, mostly because of the culture surrounding weed. I just didn't want something that was going to alter my state of mind so that I became much less of a goal getter or less ambitious. That was until I learned about full spectrum hemp and their benefits. Ned blends a chock full of premium CBD and a full spectrum hemp of active cannabinoids. Ned's full spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and balance. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. All of Ned's products are... All of Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Colorado. I'm obviously a big fan, but don't take just my word for it. Ned CBD products have over 2,000 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners in the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole. Ned is providing Holistic Fitness podcast listeners a very special discount. If you'd like to give Ned a try, listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code Laurie Lee, L-O-R-I-L-E-E. Thanks, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering a natural remedy to bring balance to so many people's well-being. That makes total sense in terms of like it's it's that nervous system flexibility. So I guess my next question is like let's use the dishes as an example. Is do people get burnt out because they haven't learned how to find, stay in their parasympathetic nervous system while doing the dishes because they attack it from an angle of oh, I need to do the dishes rather than I'm so grateful to have a beautiful clean home or is it somebody who like doesn't make space for meditation and journaling like how do you like not get burnt out because you still need to do the dishes mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah so it's kind of a combination it's it's how you okay. perceive the dishes so it you know again if it is a stress response and you're like I just do the I just need to do this because it's so painful to look at them I'm just gonna get it done and then that's it and you're kind of yeah. like you can almost feel that energy when you know you're gonna do that you're like I'm just gonna do this and you don't want help because you don't accept you know we don't accept help from anyone where it's like no I'll just do it myself <laughs> I can just do it quicker and so it's part of that the the mental part behind it but it's also too is that we don't give ourselves a moment of pause like we're on 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 unless we're sleeping mm-hmm. and so it's not so much like you sit on the couch and you're scrolling through your phone and you consider that a pause that's not a pause because your brain is still activating so you're still receiving stimulus so we have to uh implement habits that allow our system to go into that parasympathetic. So, and it's actionable steps. It can be breath work. It can be just a moment of mindfulness, recognizing your senses. What do you hear? What do you smell? It can be a cold shower. Um, That's something I do every day is take a cold shower. It can be journaling, getting your thoughts out. I mean, there's so many things. It can be mindful movement, um, vagus nerve techniques. I mean, there's so many things you can do to activate that parasympathetic nervous system. And it's like a muscle, you know, so our our muscles, if we start out 
and we try to do a 300 pound bench press and we've never lifted in our life, it's going to be really hard. So we don't want to start with like, let's do three hours of this a day because it's mm. going to backfire. But maybe we start bench pressing with a pencil and see if you can do the pencil and then you can do two pencils. And then that's how it works with a nervous system because you've wired yourself to have this constant stress response. It takes consistent small actions every day to rewire it where it's not just triggering quickly. Mm. I love that you use that analogy. Mm-hmm. I use that analogy a bit when it comes to meditation specifically, mm-hmm. um, yeah. when probably past you and I were yeah. like, this meditation shit is not working. 100%. Oh. <laughs> and it's because we're expecting to lift 200 pounds exactly. on day one. <laughs> yep, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And we didn't stay long with it in the beginning long enough to realize that, oh, we can get stronger at this and we can make it easier for ourselves. For sure. What do you think, like, so obviously patience is one, but what do you think the biggest mindset shifts are to be able to start regulating your nervous system and activating that parasympathetic nervous system a bit more? Yeah, the biggest mistake I see people make is, especially with high achievers, that they try to do too much too quickly. They expect it's all or nothing. I mean, they're going to be perfect at this. I'm going to do it all in. I'm going to do every technique I can learn. I'm going to watch every video I can learn and just do everything. And then it backfires because this is a change that you're making. And so with change, there becomes that natural resistance the brain has of like, you know, I like my comfort zone, even if it doesn't serve me, I love that comfort zone. So when we try to do too much too soon, our brain says, nope, I'm not doing this. Like, and then you actually have more resistance from the brain or you just rely on willpower. Willpower, again, it takes energy for to, for you to rely on willpower. And that's another thing that, you know, high cheers, we do that. We rely on willpower, but it will fail you in the long run. So to uh, mitigate that and allow yourself to set yourself up for success, we have to do the smallest thing. That's it. If it's one minute a day, you start with one minute a day and you also don't expect perfection. If you miss a day, that is okay. You know, just be consistent. So you have to start with the mindset that I'm going to do very, very tiny actions and not and not be perfect, perfect, just be consistent. And then you'll notice it starts building. So if you start with one minute a day, you may notice like, hmm, I feel a little bit different. I kind of like that. Okay, maybe I'll do two minutes today. Maybe I'll do three minutes, but doing the smallest action where it doesn't feel like you have another job. Because for anyone who is a high achiever perfectionist, like you already feel overwhelmed, bombarded. You feel like there's not enough hours in the day. The last thing you need is another job. Like you don't want that. So you don't want to feel like another job that you have to do. I love that you bring that up. And and another extension to that is like no expectation that you need to build upon it as well. Because I think a lot of people like, all right, then I'll do the minute for week one. Then I'll do two minutes for week two. Then I'll do three minutes for week three. And like, I I know because I I'm very much that way as well, that micro habits are so underrated and it's just knowing that naturally, yeah, whatever you've researched will come to fruition, but it's taking the first step and execution every single day is what build confidence and confidence will start helping you build momentum and then momentum will keep you consistent and build behaviors and then they'll become habits and then it'll become your identity. Like it all rolls in. hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I completely agree with everything you say. And I think another thing that allows people to stick with it is knowing why they're doing it. And that's a big thing that I emphasize is like, let me tell you the science behind it. Let me tell you what's happening in the brain. Let me tell you about the sections of the brain that are activating in this. And that was a big game changer for me, because if I know that something actually has a scientific physiological basis for it, all right, I can do that. I can get behind it. So that's another big thing is like, you need to know why you're doing that. And, and that's where like education and understanding is so important. It's not about just going through the motions of it, but knowing that there's genuine meaning and it does work. Yes. I love that. That's yeah. It is important to know the why, the why without overanalyzing. <laughs> exactly. That's true. Overanalyzing yeah. <laughs> is the procrastination. <laughs> exactly. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. That's so important. We have spoken about loads today, Kelly, and yeah. I know that you, you know, there's some topics we didn't even dive into as much mm -hmm. because you do have such great expertise in multiple different areas. Before I move to the final question mm -hmm. and figuring out where everyone can find you, is there anything that we didn't talk about today that you really did want to share with the audience? Um, yeah, so I, I can just uh, share this kind of going up. We touched on it, but just to bring it more in because I, I love this is that yeah. um, when we set intentions, because a lot of times people will be like, oh, set intentions for your day. And that was, I was another thing. I was like, set intentions. What am I going to set intention for? You know, like when I was in that, that mindset, I was like, that doesn't mean anything. And then when I understood the science and I started seeing the change. So when we set intentions for our day, we are actually activating part of our brain that filters things out. So it's called a reticular activating system. So when we say, I'm going to see everything that is that I can be grateful for today, like maybe that's your intention. And now what your brain does is like, okay, we got to look for things that we're grateful for. And then it starts filtering out the noise. So that's because, awesome. Yeah, we're stimulated all the time with so many things so if we can set the intention like this is what i'm going to look for now your brain has a direction to look for but if you're negatively thinking all the time you're going to see more negativity in the world and that's what it's filtering out so you have this system in your brain that you can use to filter out that serves you or you can use it to continue down the path of looking at everything negatively wow so what's that called your reticular activating system Correct. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to do some research on that. That's super, like, I know a bit about brain, brain health. Like my business is called Brain Bootcamp. So very big yeah. fan of that, but that's mm -hmm. something I haven't dived into. And I love yeah. the way you, so I basically, the analogy I use is if you're buying a Subaru Outback, you're going to see a whole bunch of Subaru exactly Outbacks, mm -hmm. but you're like, okay, this is the specific part in the brain that it is. <laughs> yes. But that's what it is. It's like a literal physiological thing. And then more you set those intentions of like seeing things that you're grateful for or positive of things in your life or good people in your life now your brain gets stronger it's like it, it becomes the wiring becomes thicker and, and stronger and quicker at getting that wired out than the negative thoughts that you've been wiring to be strong wow that's awesome i love that that's so cool we do have a final question on this yes. podcast <laughs> that final question is we're fast forwarding a few decades here your uh -huh. 70 year old self is going to have a conversation with you. What do you, what advice or golden nugget do you think your 70 year old self would say to you right now? Oh, that's a good one. Um, one thing would be dream bigger. That was, that's been something yes. <laughs> I didn't do a few years ago. And I'm like, oh my God, that's possible. So dream bigger, 
And stop doubting yourself. I think that's the biggest thing. I, I'm, I've, that's something that's one of my limiting beliefs is that self-doubt. And I think that older version of me be like, would you just stop doubting yourself already? <laughs> like you can do whatever you put your mind to. And I, I know it and I preach it and I am trying to believe it as much as I can. And that's, that's one thing. It's one of those things that I'm evolving and growing. And it's like, again, we're, we're never, we never hit that point where we're like, Hey, everything's good. I'm done. Like, that's one of those things that I am still consciously working on is like just going for it and not, not doubting myself ever. So I think that'd be a dream bigger. Don't doubt yourself. I love that. And that's such an important note for everyone to be aware of as well. Just because you're doing the work doesn't mean the work like ever stops. Mm -hmm. You've got to find a way to enjoy the journey as well, because you might mm -hmm. heal the shame, but then, hey, it's moving to the like, hey, I can dream bigger. I can do this. And yeah. I don't know, I um, being a fitness trainer, I know lots of music. And when you said dream bigger, I couldn't help but hear, I think it's Axwell, dream bigger. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and I just got that in my head now <laughs> when, I, when I clean my house. That would probably activate my sympathetic nervous system. I, I might need to put on that uh, dance yes. music. <laughs> or maybe calming music. Exactly. Calming music for 8.30 p.m. That's right. <laughs> Binaural beats. <laughs> exactly. I love that. I, um, I'm i personally really excited to keep following you and stuff on Instagram. Oh, thank you. Um, and, and learn more. But hey, where can everyone else find you, learn more about your services, work with you? Yeah, sure. So um, places you can find me are Instagram, social media. So I'm under Dr. Kelly Kessler, all one word. Um, so I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, um, and YouTube. So I do put all my podcast episodes on YouTube. And I have also um, videos where you can like learn how to rewire your brain on YouTube. Um, I also have a podcast called Rewiring Health and uh, talk about all this stuff. And um, I also have a website, OptimalU, Y-O-U, healthandwellness.com. So those are probably the best places to find me. Amazing. And I'll definitely have all of that in the show notes as well. I am super excited that you joined the podcast today. I personally learned so much from you. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. That was great, Kelly. And for everyone else, whether you're in the car driving and listening to us or whether you're cleaning the house, rage cleaning your dishes right now, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the Holistic Fitness Podcast. Eat well, move well, breathe well. And until next time, keep shining.